We had the abridged test match in Adelaide. Didn't even get to the main break on the third day. And, and we'd been using the third day to get some stories from our own Jim Maxwell to celebrate his 50 years of broadcasting cricket on the ABC. So we called an audible today. We thought we, we've got... We, we missed one, Jim. We missed one. And the one that we missed quite appropriately falls into the scenario that we have today because we want to chat to you about your five most memorable finishes in test matches that you've seen. You might have to make an addition or an amendment in an hour or so. But for now, great to have you to chat to us about this again. Jim, you've seen 300-plus tests in your your time broadcasting for the ABC. And, boy, there's been some good ones. They have, and uh, this one's reminding me of uh, one I picked out, uh, which was Adelaide in 1992-3, when uh, the West Indies won by one run. Well, uh, Because the end of it could be uh, similar to, to this if Australia gets close. We're going to do the countdown style. Mm. Five, four, three, two, one of your yep, best yep. five finishes. So the, the most exciting to come last. But um, we mentioned, actually, just in the back of the box, one of the dismissals today when Mitchell Marsh uh, was caught at third slip off a bobble from second slip. Yeah. Actually, uh, just twigs your memory of your number five finish in test that you've seen? Well, I had to put the 82-3 test in. It was an extraordinary game with the closeness of the scores. 287 and 288 against 284 and 294. This is Australia-England England, MCG. MCG. And uh, it all came down to the Thompson-Border partnership, which started with Australia still needing 70 to get home. And a uh, little likelihood of that, the way things have been proceeding with wickets falling at regular intervals. But uh, Tomo could bat, as we all know, and he got himself in there. And Alan Border uh, discovered that Bob Woodis kept dropping the field back, allowing him to take singles um, because he, he wanted to have a crack at Thompson. Well, uh, the confidence built up to the point where they went to stumps on the fourth night, still nine down and 33 runs behind. So the decision was taken to uh, open the gates the next day. I think 20,000 were there. And the game went for half an hour, 40 minutes. Until that moment when Tomo was in between pouncing and poking. And he poked it. And uh, it, it went to Tavare at second slip. It bobbled out of his hands, as he was just talking about. And it went behind him. And Jeff Miller came around and took the catch from Ian Botham's bowling. And that was it. Three runs. At that point, uh, the smallest margin in terms of runs to decide a test match. And in not only the annals of history, because it was an Ashes test match, and uh, but the names as well. The fact that the Melbourne public turned up to provide the atmosphere with so little cricket, it could have been only one ball. But the fact that it was Border and Botham uh, among all of the theatre of, of that uh, certainly... I remember I was six years old and watched that with my late pa. And it was one of my first memories of how wonderful Test cricket can be. And Greg Chappell was, alas for him, in a bit of a slump. And he had a period there where he couldn't get to double figures. And in that game, he was out for naught and two. And Norman Cowens, who hadn't played in any of the previous Test matches on tour, was brought into the side and he ended up with six for 77 in the second innings around Willis, Botham, 
Derek Pringle and Jeff Miller was their attack. Hooksy was playing for Australia, Bruce Yardley, Lawson Hogg, Tomo, uh, Kim Hughes, Chapel, Dyson and Vessels. So they're pretty good teams. So that's number five in the countdown. Yeah. Number four, you alluded to a moment ago. Now, set this up. How long had it been since Australia had beaten the West Indies in a series? Alan Border had, for so many years, quested after, after this. And Craig McDermott and Tim May are, are batting for Australia's life mm. at the Adelaide Oval in 92-93. Uh, pick up the story, but the, the enduring image outside of what happened in the Test match is a shot of Alan Border throwing a cricket ball onto the ground in disgust at Australia, letting that opportunity slip. Well, you'd have to say in that run chase, and it wasn't a big chase, a bit like this, they only needed 186. But you know, that was a few against the West Indies in those days with Kirtley Ambrose, Ian Bishop, Kenny Benjamin and Courtney Walsh and our friend Carl Hooper. And we hadn't beaten the West Indies for ages. This would have been a series-winning test. They almost won the game in that series up in, up in Brisbane. Um, and um, they you know, had the good fortune of Shane Warne bowling brilliantly in Melbourne. But um, it came, came down to the wire. This was the game where actually Justin Langer made his debut uh, when Damien Martin was poked in the eye in the warm-up the day before by Bob Simpson uh, and he had to pull out so Justin got his chance not too many get their debut at number three but he did and uh, he made uh, 20 in the first innings but a more resolute uh, 50 in the second innings of the game 54 despite being struck in the head by an Ian Bishop bouncer but uh, the back end of the game was fairly low scoring um, West Indies only made 146 to set Australia 186 to win and they, uh, they were gone as I suggest until McDermott came together with May at 9 for 144 42 still needed and um, May just about got them home he played really well 42 not out and Craig McDermott the same until uh, Courtney Walsh bowled a ball that bounced and instantly there were no replays in those days the West Indies uh, thought that was enough. It's hit the glove. Had it or did it hit his arm anyway? The finger went up and he was out. It was all over. Just like that. So it was a remarkable game of cricket. And yes, uh, Alan Border was not happy because Australia had got themselves into such a good position in this game and uh, couldn't quite do the business. And this was where the, the series was still alive, but how many wickets did Ambrose take in Perth, the next test? It seemed to break the Australian spirit on this this quest to end the drought to win the Frank Worrell Trophy, and then uh, the West Indies race through Australia the yeah, next well, test. Six for one or something Yeah, there, yes. Uh, well, so well, not only an amazing test match in its own right, but the context of uh, borders, as it turned out to be, he, he never... He never was a part of an Australian team that won a series against the West Indies. No, that didn't happen until Mark Taylor stepped up and uh, they had a magnificent win in the West Indies at Sabina Park in uh, 1995 on the back of the, the War Twins double hundred and, uh, and the hundred to Mark War. That was an extraordinary performance mm. in that game. And so, that, yes, it was, it was close, but not, not close enough as it turned out. 
but it was a, a wonderful series because in the middle of all that, Brian Lara scored 277 in Sydney to announce himself. Well, speaking of Brian Lara, so counting down Jim's five most memorable finishes during his career, we start with the Ashes uh, at the MCG, Border and Tomo in 82-3. The May McDermott, which got so close in 92-3, and still, I saw Tim May interview during the Adelaide Test match recently. If he's listening, I hope he's in good health. He was very brave in speaking about his recent health battle mm. there. Uh, he, at the non-striker's end, thought Craig McDermott had hit it, and then the replay showed that maybe it didn't hit the back of the bat or the glove. But anyway, Adelaide... It was close. Yeah, it was close. Uh, Brian Charles Lara, the pressures of the tour in 1999. Mm. West Indies embarrassed, questions around Lara's position, and then what happened? Well, he made a double hundred in Jamaica. <laughs> uh, he and Jimmy Adams put on a lot of runs. Uh, unfortunately, uh, for, for Glenn, Mark Ward dropped him when he was 42, I think, at the second slip. Glenn McGrath sitting with his hands folded, listening to this story of a test match that he played in mm. um, in, in 1999. So we got poleaxed in that game in the end by 10 wickets. Um, and one of the issues in the series was McGill and Warren were playing together. And, and Warren was at his best with his shoulder. And uh, as, as you know, as the series got to the deciding game after... Uh, Barbados, uh, Warren got dropped. It was something that um, he wasn't very happy about. But uh, Colin Miller played and Australia won and levelled the series. After being so far in front of the West Indies after the first game, you wouldn't have thought it was possible. But the game in Barbados, I mean, if you look at the scores, you think, how on earth did Australia lose this game? They made 490, right? 490. West Indies 329. That's a pretty handy lead. Sherwin Campbell got 100. Glenn McGrath, four wickets. Australia's second innings, um, they fell over. Courtney Walsh, Pfeiffer, maybe a bit more variable in the pitch, whatever it was, 146. So the West Indies needed, well, 311 thereabouts to win. And uh, they were in a little bit of bother, five and 105. And then the partnership between Jimmy Adams again and Lara steered them closer. And it got down to the wire and... Uh, Alas for Australia, I remember Healy dropping Lara uh, off Gillespie. And uh, from there on with Courtney Walsh hanging about, uh, he wasn't there for very long, but uh, long enough to see the game through with, uh, what do they need, about nine runs for the last wicket, and they got them with a surging cover drive of Lara's to win the game. Uh, 153 not out on the back of the double century in Jamaica and all of a sudden the West Indies were leading the series 2-1. And as far as worst number 11s in test history, Courtney Walsh would probably have been in that. Well, Chris Martin, I think. <laughs> Chris Martin's the, the captain of that team. But, Ooh, but so. Courtney Walsh, I remember just watching and, and hearing. Gillespie bowled beautifully. Mm. Absolutely. So did Glenn. He took five for 90 in the second inning. Mm. Nine for the match. Yet off the, and the West Indies were dismissed miserably in one of the early matches in that series. And the, the pressure around the Prince mm. and Lara and the way that he responded, it was m the most engaging. Even in Trinidad, they were mm. calling for his sacking after that game. This man can't keep the uh, position of captain anymore. You know, the old West Indies, he no good, get rid of him, man. So um, he did answer his critics <laughs> convincingly. Uh, so th that was... Uh, an extraordinary so. game. 490 and you lose. Yeah. 
Two to go. Uh, MCG Ashes, 82-83. Adelaide, the Frank Royal Trophy, slips away again, 92-93. The brilliance of Lara in the Caribbean, 99. Yeah. Two to go. What's your second most memorable test finish? Well, we're going to Edgebaston. I think we're going to the most recent one first, aren't we? Oh, don't give away the end. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. The most recent Ashes series, Jim. Yes, and that first test, having won the World Championship, uh, Australia were playing from behind for most of the match on the back of Baz Ball and England's exciting batting and Joe Root's 100 declaration on the first day. Uh, and then Australia, other than Usman Kawaja, uh, struggling to, to keep up, to keep close. But uh, they entered seven runs short in the first innings. And England uh, went bonkers in the second innings. Uh, threw wickets away, trying to get to a position of setting the game up, which they did very adequately. because Australia needed 282 to win. And uh, somehow uh, they got to a position in the afternoon of uh, having a few tail-enders out there. I mean, they were 5 for 143, 7 for 209, 8 for 227, with another 55 needed. And uh, as we all know, it was Cummins and Lyon who got involved. Cummins getting the winning runs, 44 not out, down to third man. And Australia, as I say, having been behind most of the game, uh, managed somehow to win it. Uh, which was an extraordinary performance and gave them the early momentum in his series where there was so much expectation about Baz Ball bowling us out, uh, batting us out at any rate, um, and Australia won. And that surprised a few people. At the start of the Ashes away, and in a sense, you gave it, gave it away a little bit, but uh, we'll hear the, the, the number one moment in just a moment. But I think the context of 2023, and that's why we love Test cricket, Jim, the history and what has gone before sets up the meaning of what we're seeing now and, and so on and so forth. So uh, Melbourne in 82-3, Adelaide in 92-93, Barbados in 99, Edgbaston 20-23, and an extraordinary that your two most exciting test finishes happened at the same venue. Here is the way that Jim Maxwell's most exciting test finish happened back in 2005. England's striving for this last wicket. They've been doing that for a while. Harmison comes up and bowls and Kasparovic goes back and parries one as he caught down the leg side. There's an appeal for catches out. England have won. England have won by two runs. Wow, what a finish. What an incredible test match. That is astonishing stuff. And quite clearly, Steve Harmison takes the winning wicket, and Geraint Jones takes a very good catch down the leg side. What a phenomenal test match. Amazing finish. Billy Bowden waited for a moment, and the England players are surrounding themselves and slapping each other on the back. Flintoff came over and shook Brett Lee's hand. Both the Australian batsmen just stood there, dumbfounded for a moment or two that the game could have ended like that. They got so close, it would have been a miraculous win. Great call with Jeff Lawson of that test match in 2005. And, and even the word pictures there, not only the nature of the test match, the drama of Glenn McGrath treading on a cricket ball before a ball was even bowled, Flintoff's batting on the, the first day. But, Jim, but 
your word pictures again. One of the most famous stills of test cricket of recent times is the moment where Andrew Flintoff and Brett Lee shared that, that moment of sportsmanship and camaraderie at the end of that extraordinary test match. And your words were there at the right time to ensure it wasn't just captured in a still, mm. but the radio listeners were able to imagine it and hear it through your words as well. There's no doubt about uh, test cricket in England, particularly the Ashes. The small grounds are very intimate. The crowd are in on the game all the time. They're involved. They're the most in involved crowd in terms of what's happening in the middle, not what's happening in the periphery uh, that you get. And they're quite passionate too, as we know. And uh, that was a rollicking Sunday morning. Shane Warne looked like he was going to win the game off his own bat until he trot on his stumps and uh, he was the one who got Australia back into the game uh, with his bowling in the second innings and uh, when he took six for 46 remember England uh, having been sent in wisely unwisely whatever well they made 407 and um, Shane Warne took four of those wickets Australia's reply 308 so they're playing from behind 100 behind and they make um, in their second innings 182, so Australia needed 280 odd to win the game. And uh, at um, the beginning of the fourth day, it ended on the fourth day, Australia was eight down with Michael Clark being dismissed by the change of pace from Harmison just prior to Stumps. He knocked him over. So they were eight for 175. They still needed more than 100, and you wouldn't have given much of a chance for that. But Warren got them moving. And then that last week at partnership, it actually added uh, 59 runs. And um, it was Brett Lee, I can remember being on at the end, just before that moment when Kasparovich was caught down the leg side. Well, was he caught down the leg side? Hand off the bat, apparently, to MS. Well, they, Cash, uh, that he, would have ruined one of the great yeah. moments in Ask Kasper, he's the man that saved Test cricket. That's how important yeah. that victory in that series. No, no, Glenn was the one who saved Test cricket by <laughs> treading on the ball. <laughs> <laughs> but Otherwise, it could have easily been three, four, amazing. five duel. Yeah, similarity yeah. between the McDermott moment and the, the Kasparovich moment, in a way, so many years but apart. The penultimate ball was driven hard out to deep cover and Giles was right on the line you know five yards either way four game over so they took one Casper on strike and there it was uh, a really magnificent game of cricket and uh, that's what we keep getting in the ashes it seems every now and then these very close finishes and uh, that really was quite quite memorable the bowling of Flintoff particularly in that game he what did he score in the first innings? I remember his batting, and this was sort of the emergence of finally the talent of Flintoff arrived in Ashes cricket. 68 from 62 balls, six fours and five sixes. And this is before Basball back then. Right? Yeah. So 05, 68 from 62 balls. It was, yeah, it was amazing. And guess what, Jim? The great thing is, after that amazing countdown, you might have to make an amendment in about 10 minutes. Yeah, I might. <laughs> you yeah. may have to make an amendment in 10 minutes because well, I, of the glory of Test cricket and what we're getting to see today. I've left a few out, and of course the other one that comes to mind with Australia in the West Indies is in 2003 at the Antigua Recreation Ground when Omari Banks and Vasbud Drakes got Australia over the line, uh, in West Indies, sorry, over the line by two wickets. That was amazing. Uh, Ricky Ponting didn't play. He had a back injury. And uh, I think Martin Love replaced him in the side. 
and Martin, un unfortunately, although he, he made a couple of runs, he dropped a catch and slip at a vital stage. But another very exciting game of cricket. Steve Waugh just kept attacking and attacking and attacking, and it didn't happen. And, and of course, there's the day where uh, Dravid and Lakshman batted all day as well. The the extraordinary uh, moments of that Indian series. There, they've they've been some. It's a it's a hot list to make. The other interesting one, apart from that, obviously, was the, one of the most uh, famous games of Test cricket ever played, with uh, a side winning after being forced to follow on. And the other one, just after Edgebaston in, in 2005, was in South Africa, when again uh, it was Brett Lee and Kasparovic in that game where Justin Langer got hit in the head, um, and uh, he didn't have to bat, luckily. And I think he was told that he shouldn't because Kasparovic and Lee knocked the runs off and we won yeah. that game by two wickets. The same pairing from Edgbaston yeah. got the chance and got the runs. Uh, Jim, again, congratulations and thanks for everything over 50 years and there is many to come, we hope. Uh, and thank you for this little segment where you've touched on various areas of, of your great experiences of broadcasting on the ABC for 50 years. Thank you. And that's, uh, I think, a, a pretty... A, a lovely synergy with the way that we were able to get this in, which we missed out in Adelaide, and the timing's perfect because we've got a stunning finish to a test match coming up here. If you are just joining us, we're about to resume on the second day of day four here with Australia needing 29 runs to win, the West Indies needing two wickets to win at 8 for 187. It could be a tie. It, 1960 all over again? <laughs> Run yep. out? Yes. Whoa. He's out. He's out. Oh, hey, guess what? Unlike McGilvray, you're not getting on a plane home and missing no, this. he missed it. The famous 1960 tied test, and McGilvray was not yeah. here. And when he got he off went the... home with Keith Miller at yep. the... Australia's six for 92, chasing 230, and he said, it's all over. I'm going home. <laughs> and he missed the tied <laughs> and he missed the test. Tied.